Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J. That was Adrian Dunn. This is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, actually, we had, we had something serious on for a change and incredibly interesting. Well, hopefully we have things on that are fairly interesting. But John Solarco came in. <laughs> Adrian's face. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he's, and Adrian's <laughs> ringed on committal. He's brilliant. He doesn't have to say anything. No, no, no. It's just got that look. Yeah. Is it all that? Yeah, yeah I could see it. Well, he's brilliant. got a T-shirt with it on. But we did have a chat with John Solarco and a guy called Ian Pierce. Very uh, interesting doing fantastic work uh, around getting more people um, trained in CPR uh, and also seeing more defibrillators in the right places. Yeah. And in like what happened at uh, St. James's Park yesterday, a very timely visit by them. And a demo on how it works really yeah, interesting. Yeah, really, of us really that. interesting. So, so oh, we also had a chat. Yeah. We did clips of the week pewter. We did. Here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Just before I talk about Brentford, it was great to see uh, Motti and Barry Davis yeah. uh, at Watford on Saturday. Mm. And the club website wanted them, one of them, to commentate on the game. And it was, oh, it was nearly an off. Oh, I imagine <laughs> that. That difficult conversation that a number of editors of uh, <laughs> BBC Football have had. Uh, I spoke yeah. to a man once who had to break that news to one of them mm. uh, at a World Cup. Not to either. phone them and say, you haven't got the final. And... Um, you know, these are the tough gigs. Difficult. These are the tough Difficult. things you have to do. I don't, I don't think either of them did a gazer and started <laughs> lobbing stuff around the, uh, around the hotel room. But anyway, um, we left you on Friday, um, in case you weren't listening, with Andy, who has a season to get at Brentford, wants to support his local uh, club, uh, and, of course, one at Chelsea, which is the team he supports. But um, when Chelsea are away, or he gets a chance, he goes and watches Brentford. And, of course, it was Brentford mm-hmm. versus Chelsea, and Andy was in his um, season ticket seat at Brentford's new stadium. So what sort of... When you first came in, was the reaction different? To what no, you normally it was get? all fine. Nobody said anything to me. It was all fine. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, the Brentford season ticket has your name on it and you're supposed to wear it round your things. So I did cover my jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> better, better do that. But, uh, no, the bloke who, who sits next to me is a lovely fellow, actually, mm. Mark. He he went for a quick pint at half-time. He missed the goal. So that, oh. that was good for me. So I didn't have anybody next yeah. to me. But I did a non-reaction. It wasn't like the bloke who got Ben Foster's ticket at Watford on Saturday yeah. and got thrown out for celebrating. I just basically sat on so my hands. I'd like you show me what you did. I'm so this is the the goal's going in. I'm watching. Sure. My, okay, here we go. 
Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I mean, nothing. Uh, nothing. It was really odd. I sent my son a <laughs> I text. He was dead for a minute. I sent him a text saying, "Oh damn, we've scored." Yeah. <laughs> but he was uh, telling us a story last week of someone who went, "Oh, what a shame!" Yeah. When it happened, I did that. Yeah. Him. That's not a great yeah, yeah, idea. It's not, not great. But I, I, it was a wonderful game. It's just the most brilliant place to watch football, and it's peculiar. Loftus Cheek was talking about this. He was saying after the game that you don't get the sense at home what it's like in the stadium. When I watched the game back on Match of the Day. I knew exactly what he meant because the noise levels don't sound that stunning. God, it's so loud. Mm. And it's to do with, I think, the way the stadium is, is surrounded by tall buildings yeah. and the design of it, probably, the new design. So all the, all the, stays all the in. noise stays in. Yeah. So like when I used to leave Chelsea and my dad leave early, like when I was a kid, a goal went and you could hear it oh, oh, yeah. right the way down the Fulham yeah. Road. You can't, as soon as you walk outside the stadium, you can't mm. hear anything. Wembley wasn't like that. I remember leaving mm-hmm. Wembley early once when Tottenham played Burnley. Mm. And it was only when we got down near the station uh, that somebody said, oh, well, they equalised. Because you know, and I was barely out of the stadium and you couldn't hear no, the fact that I suppose that's the modern stadium. But, I mean, you know, for 65 minutes, Chelsea were completely in control of the game. I mean, they're not... Out of all the top three, I think they still haven't really got it together attacking-wise. They're not playing well, really. They're winning games because they've got good players mm. and they've got a good, great keeper. But... I'm not sure I agree with Thomas Frank. He said there should only have been one winner of the game. You know, apparently, saving the ball and not taking your chances doesn't count. Did you say that to the loudly to the Brentford fans <laughs> sitting around? Well, you? they were going mad. You can imagine when every t- when they hit the post and Mendy's saves, they were going bonkers. Were you still just looking like sort of in front, sitting I, on I your just, hands? No, no, I was standing up, going. I think a goal. I feel a goal's coming. <laughs> <laughs> You're not fooling anybody. No. Wow. Hey, look, you know, um. I mean, I got a stick on the Chelsea website, which I don't normally do this, but I yeah. decided to take each and every one of them to task. Right. I, I sort of went on there and said, because it's ridiculous. You know, there's no question who I wanted to win the game. I wanted Chelsea to win the game. Of, yeah, course, of course I did. I would have accepted if Brentford got a draw. They think they deserved a draw. But, you know, that's it. And it's not any doubt. And, the, oh, how can he go to, you know, to, have a, to another team? about yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous you know i really enjoy going there so yeah it was a it was a bit of a, a spawny win but so no know. comments when you left nothing you you were nothing unscathed no. in any unscathed territory yeah. well, that's yeah, good that's good, nice to hear yeah, good, good old brentford and it was uh, good they're going to be all right aren't they you oh can't, yeah they're you definitely going to be all right isn't it? you no do question. sense they're going to be all right um anthony taylor had a quiet game for brentford though i thought <laughs> by his standards <laughs> would you give him solid six out of ten it's amazing though when you're sort of like you sitting amongst the the home fans. Yeah. The ref gets so much stick, and a lot of the time, most of the time, to be honest, he's not got the decision wrong. Yeah. You know, he's just, they just don't like the decision. But, uh, yeah, I thought, you know, it was a very interesting moment on match of the day. I, I can't, I don't know how I can put this really in a polite way. But uh, Alan, they turned to Alan Shearer to talk about how many players Leeds had out, and he just kept saying, Rafinha out, Ailings out. Bamford out, Phillips out. Yeah. I definitely would have left Robin Cox. No, I, think <laughs> I it was noticed a bit that. Of a mistake. I was looking. I, took, <laughs> I watched the clip back, and I was looking for Chappers and Michael Richards' <laughs> reaction. Loved, yeah. And they gave him nothing. They gave That's him good. Nothing. They didn't. I, could, I taped it. I couldn't decide. I thought, yeah, I've got it on my phone. I couldn't decide whether it was deliberate. I felt it might have been. They, I'm sure they were both desperate to say, <laughs> "Yeah, might have phrased that." Always put the first name in when you're talking about Robin. Yeah, um, but, but yeah. Yeah, unfortunate that. But anyway, he got away with it. Well, he kind of did anyway. Mm. Um, so Sir Alex Ferguson is in the papers today and he is talking about uh, the things he's enjoyed post-retirement, some of these bucket list mm. trips that he'd always wanted to do, you know, going to big golf events and boxing events and 
uh, even football events because he was so busy um, with Manchester United he could never do and uh, he said the Oscars the Oscars was the one thing that he'd always stranger, uh, wanted to go films. to uh, and he went there in 2014 he said that tops the lot wow. but he added there was a woman in front playing poker on her phone what a waste of a ticket, he mm. says, and I think we, we concur with that. And uh, I've mentioned it before, just very quickly. I went. To the, I was lucky enough to go to the World mm. Cup final in, as a sort of punter in 2000 and, no, 1994. Terrible game, Italy-Brazil, we remember that one. Uh, Baggio's penalty. And we're in a bit of a corporate bit. And uh, some people in front of me, uh, two American people, not at all interested in football. They're nice people. They kept turning around, having a chat, and asking me why this was happening and why that was happening. And they were fine, nice people. But yeah, with, why are you here? Yeah, but, well, five minutes left. I mean, these were good tickets. I was yeah. on a bit of a jolly myself. And um, with five minutes left, they said, well, look, mate, it's been great to meet you. We're off now. I said, hang on. It's a World <laughs> Cup final, mate. There's billions of people. You're one of 110,000 people in this stadium. You can't go now. He said, I know the traffic back into LA from Pasadena is going to be terrible. I can't leave it any later. Oh, you beat the I've got a dinner date, he said. So um, they cleared Did you say, off. See you, George. I was like, yeah, cheers, George. See you Wednesday. It wasn't one of those. No, he, I don't think he'd ever been to a game of football before and didn't intend to again because it's a bit non-plastic and it wasn't the sort of game that would get you into football you were not going to become a convert it wasn't great, game, it it? Wasn't great. No. But, but still it's like you know, remind me to leave you know after the third quarter of the Super Bowl why don't you <laughs> yeah not great but what a waste of a ticket if you've witnessed it we'd love to hear your stories this yeah, afternoon I've got one that I went to see Van Morrison but not in a big stadium yeah. or in a big concert it was a small little jazz club it was about three years ago three or four years ago and it was a privilege to be there to see this great performer close up live yeah I and mean, he whether you like him or not he's fantastic yeah. you know and uh, this woman next to me spent the whole gig filming it and then posting clips to facebook i, I just wanted to get her phone and just throw it away honestly yeah. it's what's the point be in the moment. <laughs> You've got to be in the moment at least for some of it anyway the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Andy, anything you yes. want to share with the class? Well, I mentioned last week that Don McLean, the great Don McLean, had put a bit of weight on. And yeah. He's admitted now that he loves the food here in the UK. Mm. And I think you should re-record one of his famous hits, Bye Bye Steak and Kidney Pie. Yeah, well, he admitted he <laughs> cut a gig short in the UK because he was in a hotel somewhere doing a gig and he'd sampled their carvery earlier on that day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, liked it so much, he basically he did um, a skiffle version of American Pie. <laughs> so he could get the whole thing in about 30 seconds. Fair enough, yeah. And uh, so he could get back to the carvery. Oh, you couldn't get enough of that roast beef in Yorkshire pudding. Well, I apparently. don't blame him for that at all. And, uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo is uh, wasting his money on a £108,000 jewellery trunk for his girlfriend. Yeah. But she liked it. Well, I'm sure she did. Oh, well, it's ridiculous. She's his money. Do what he likes that. with it. What a waste of money. And also, he could be talking about wasting steak. money. Not great parenting to buy your child a 40 grand half size car. I don't think that's a really great yeah, idea. There were some pictures there. They, yeah. They're all bejeweled as well, aren't well, they? Well, they look nice, yeah. but, you know, I mean, I'm not sure about it really. But there you go. Does seem um, a bit odd. <clears throat> and a ballet dancer has been defending the price of ballet tickets, saying it's cheaper than football. But I don't think it is, actually. It costs a fortune, about 120 quid to go to the ballet for a decent seat. Kids for a quid? At the ballet? <laughs> I mean, they do do... There are cheap tickets, but they're right up in the yeah. gods and with restricted views. It's not an idea, It'd be it? nice to have the same sensibilities at uh, ballet, wouldn't you? You know, sort of ten minutes before the end of Swan Lake, some bloke gets up and says, Cheers, George! <laughs> See you... <laughs> See you Pete soon. traffic. Yeah. <laughs> See you for the nutcracker, mate. Yeah, see you at the nutcracker. He got sitting in the way end. Yeah. And uh, talky news, of course. They conceded a late goal, but uh, yes. great incentive in the FA Cup. They now go into replay. their replay against their old mate Warren Horton's Haven't and Waterlooville, yes. their old producer's uh, team. Mm. And uh, two each, I believe it was. And so, yeah, the prize at the end of it for Haven't and Waterlooville or Talky United is a trip to Charlton. So, which is uh, which will be fantastic, won't very, it? Very yeah. much so. Um, and Salt Bay, he's uh, he's back in the news. He's, he's never the out of the news. He's never out of the news. But you, you, it's brilliant, really. People are sending me terrible reviews, so, you know, like links to terrible reviews. So mm. I can see. But you know, the thing is, he embraces all the terrible reviews on his Insta stories yesterday. He put every single terrible review really? he's had. Shots of them. He's having the last laugh, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. What does he care? The place is packed. Yeah. Honestly, well, he doesn't mad. approach the reviewers in a dark alley with a glove on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with his big knife, and then sprinkles gold leaf over him. Of course not. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Good afternoon, Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. I think we were all shocked and concerned with the events at uh, St James's Park yesterday with a, one of the Newcastle fans. Having cardiac arrest, uh, his son, I think, took to Twitter earlier on today and said his mm. dad's kind of uh, comfortable now, um, and but has no recollection of even going to the game yesterday. It's so, amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, our next two guests uh, were basically booked to come and see us today, uh, last week. So um, it's nothing to do with really the events of yesterday, but it's great they're here. They're from creating lifesavers. Um, one of them will be well known to you, the former. 
Palace and uh, England winger John Solarco. Ian Pearce is uh, alongside him from Creating Lifesavers. Good afternoon, guys. Good to see you. Good afternoon. Uh, John, good afternoon. How did you get involved in Creating Lifesavers? Yeah, about six months ago, um, a, a friend of mine mentioned Ian and said, look, he's got a conversation there about defibrillators. Obviously, we all saw what happened with Christian Eriksen, and that was mm. really so shocking. And But we know about Justin Edinburgh, we know about Janela, we know about, you know, even Sam Allardyce, even, uh, you know, your own uh, Alan Brazil's just been through a, a, a small procedure. So, you know, we're all stressed, you know, perhaps, you know, just life not exercising enough. So I think the world has never been in a, in a, in a probably, uh, you know, in a place where you're more likely to probably have a cardiac arrest, you know, with everyone being under pressure with, with the pandemic and, and work and, and everything else. So, you know, Ian came to me, we met and he said, look, you know, I set up wellbeing, you know, 17 years ago, but I'm coming out of that. I really want to go. I've been, working on creating lifesavers, I want training, I want to create an army of, of lifesavers out there as well as the awareness package and getting defibrillators in every high footfall area, big buildings, you know, stadiums, arenas. And, you know, I thought, wow, okay. And, and you're just hearing so many people talking about it, you know, Jamie Carragher or, you know, Sam Allardyce or and anyone else, John Barnes, I think has been talking about, Graham Souness. And, and I just thought, wow, this is something I'd really love to get on board yeah. with and help with because... You know, when I was a coach at Palace, um, the, the, the the doctor there, Zach Iqbal, Zach Iqbal uh, he was Liverpool's doctor. And he used to talk about this all the time. And he's a massive campaigner mm. about getting defibs everywhere. Um, he said, literally, they are a lifesaver. So they should be at every sporting facility. They should literally be everywhere. And it's something that shouldn't, expense shouldn't be spared because you just never know when you're going to need it, when it's going to have, you know, it's going to be, be handy to save someone's life. And, you know, he, he was very passionate about that. And funny enough, when, when Ian started talking about it, it just made so much sense. And I was straight on board and I said, yeah, let's do this. And we, you know, we set the company up and we're pushing forward and we really just need to, I mean, obviously they, they, they asked me because trying to get some profile, trying sure. to get some traction and trying to open doors, um, which, which has been fantastic, really. It and, has, John, know, yeah, it's, really it's, good. How much do these things cost? Because um, pretty much <laughs> what you need to raise money for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, generally communities will do sort of fundraisers, things like, um, you know, fun runs, cake bakes, bookstalls for communities, and they raise the money. But I mean, you're talking about circa around £1,000. So it's a relatively small amount of money to save someone's life. But the one thing that Creating Lifesavers is here to do is, is not just assist with the raising of the funds and have, you know, and work with that, but it's also absolutely paramount to raise the awareness. I mean, I've worked with lots of organisations, really good, willing people who've raised that money through those events that I've mentioned. And they put it up on the outside of their community hall and no one knows it's there. Mm. And it's really important then to do the, the CPR training, to, to advertise, in effect, the, the, the awareness that it's there. And really important to show them how easy it is to use. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, you seem to me to be quite intelligent guys. And I, re- I <laughs> yeah. reckon I mean, we do. I mean, I, I listened to the boys talking last night, you're Kieran Diary and, and Janela. Mm. And obviously, with your UA, my UA4A badge, you get to do the CPR, which is really important, but you do need to upgrade that. And even going two years later, when you go back, the techniques have changed. And actually working with the dummies, doing it again, it's like, wow, okay, you forget. You, Forget sure. small things. So it is the training. It is the constant updating and, and making Awareness. sure you've worked with, you know, they've talked about the CPR because it, it's amazing when you go into it because effectively once you cardiac arrest, you're, du- you're, you're dead. Yeah. So you can't hurt anyone. I mean, Jill had five or six ribs broken, but yeah. you, you'd rather the ribs are broken because sure. you've got to keep, 
you know, you've got to keep that blood flowing and you've got to keep, you know, the electrolytes in there to, to stop you getting brain damage. And at the but moment, it it's quite random, isn't it? Because if you think of somebody like Glenn Hoddle, he was so lucky that there was a guy there that knew these techniques yeah. and knew absolutely. how to save him because it, it could have been anywhere and there wasn't. And, you know. Absolutely. I mean, what we described the, the events that happened not only with, 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 with Glenn Hoddle, but also Christian Eriksen and, and others. Um, we call it the chain of survival. Yeah. And what that means is we need to find early access to a patient, uh, a victim, uh, early cardiopulmonary resuscitation, early defibrillation, and then early access into emergency services. And if you actually visually look at what happened with Christian Eriksen, I mean, how fantastic were those Danish players in responding? And the referee, who I personally have met, and he's, he's just said, you know, we, we responded quickly. Mm. Access the fact that he was in, in, in a really bad way. And uh, the defibrillator with the medics was onto the pitch mm. really quickly, and he was shocked. And he, I think I've even seen pictures of him taking off and sort of waving, I'm okay. Mm. And that's exactly what happened yesterday at uh, St James's Park, which you mentioned earlier. Um, the gentleman there had a cardiac arrest. And again, you know, I'm not the greatest Tottenham fan, but I can tell you now, those guys responded absolutely amazingly. Mm. And, you know, I think it was uh, Kieran Dyer, from what I can see, and I was actually Eric, driving Eric Dyer, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Eric Dyer, yeah, and, and Sergio Reguilon, who, yeah. who, who yeah, brought the referee's attention well. to it, to Andre yeah, Mariner's attention to what was going on, because he was down on that wing. Absolutely. The flat fans were saying, stop the game, stop the game, and so he was just letting Andre Mariner know Absolutely, and, you know, the same thing happened there, albeit this with a member of the general public rather than a high-profile uh, international footballer. Everybody moved very quickly, and and, uh, and Dyer was there quick, mm. and he and he and he, he recognised it. Recognised it. Yeah. And he, there's a picture. I he's think, a very of, intelligent bloke. Well, he's also a very close friend of Christian yeah. Eriksson's, and, yeah. and would have known <laughs> exactly the same thing was yeah. the case. That, that they needed to get a defibrillator out there, so, out there very quickly. There so, was a campaign a few years ago, the Staying Alive campaign, that was quite clever because that that did actually stay with you. You do think mm. if you ever were faced with it. You can remember that that's the the beat, that's the music that you have to do it Absolutely. to. Yeah. It's doing that, it badly, that though. It's, well. it's, yeah. it's a, a little knowledge a dangerous thing, guys, or, or not? You don't, is that not fair? Not at all, no. I mean, I, I sort of coined a phrase recently, which is there's no such thing as bad CPR, because anything you do can only be a bet, uh, uh, to the, to a positive uh, conclusion, hopefully. And as John mentioned, um, do it to, you know, they're dead. If somebody's in full cardiac arrest, that, that, that victim is dead. And the statistics show that you've got about 10 minutes because it's said that for every uh, minute that passes, around 10% chance of survival is gone. Um, Cardiopulmonary resuscitation just extends that opportunity to save their life, which is why we have this, this chain of survival that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So, they used to, Sorry, John, carry on. So yeah. I was going to say, Ian's actually had a cardiac arrest himself but he actually right. saved the life at Wembley when Spurs were involved at Wembley <laughs> and they played West Ham and you know literally I don't know if you want to tell the story but I mean well, yeah, things like that when him. when you hear these stories I mean you could see that David Ginola was clearly affected yesterday no, when, sure he just, was. when he gets put back in that moment I mean for me I think being involved with this I think I think sometimes you sort of think, oh, what was that? You know, yeah. you sort of get a bit, it, it sort of, <laughs> you know, you sort of start getting a bit nervous around it. But it's it's nice to know that you're looking for the signs and you know what to do if anything ever happened. But it literally is what you said. It really is down to if there's one available and, and someone can get it to you in time. And, and that's really what this is all about, is making sure that they're accessible, they're everywhere and they, they can yeah. be accessed. We're going to hear uh, in the next section, we're going to keep talking about this, I think, and we'll get some reaction from, from some of the listeners as well. Um, so if you've had experience of this, do let us know. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet TS18J. What happened to you at, at Wembley then, Ian? Um, 
I'm a really big West Ham fan. I was actually on the way home from the Everton game yesterday when I heard the tragic uh, events happening, unfolding at mm. St James's. Um, uh, my son and I went to see uh, West Ham United play at uh, when when um, Tottenham were, were lodging, shall we say, at Wembley. Yeah. And uh, we talk about that chain of survival, early access. My son, Luke Pierce, he um, noticed just as we were going into the, the stadium on the out, outer concourse, somebody collapsed. I just wanted to get into the game, if I'm honest with you. Mm. And it cut that, and I looked, and I immediately noticed through through the knowledge I had that this chap was was clearly in a bad way. So I started to perform uh, chest compression only CPR. So I'm jumping on his chest. Um, a police officer came through the crowd. I thought probably there'd been some sort of you know ruckus, but no. Um, I sent him away. Said, please, can you get me a defibrillator? Because I recognised we needed one very quickly. And um, sadly, no one knew where the defib was, or even if oh, there was one. Yeah. And, um, and that's at Wembley that's Stadium. At Wembley. <laughs> Wembley Stadium. Um, there, by the by, the by the grace of God, go we. The uh, two police medics came through the crowd. Now, I think we'd been, I'd been going about six or seven minutes by then, doing chest compression only CPR. Uh, they had a defibrillator, and they placed it on his chest. And quite rightly, with the medics there, I was pushed back, and I'd done done my bit at that time. Went into the game, uh, which uh, you know West Ham uh, came from a two 0 down to win three two. Got yeah, to mention. Yeah, very well. And um, I came out of the he ground. He needed CPR after the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did I. Yeah. Um, so I came out of the ground. I mentioned to one of the other police officers uh, who were out after the ground that said, "You know what happened?" And he he looked at me very uh, uh, in a in a downtrodden way. He said, "I don't think it was a very uh, positive outcome." Two days later, again, my son. Uh, Luke called me at work and said, Dad, you're all over Twitter. Now, I don't even do Twitter, so I wasn't really sure how that worked. Um, he said, they're looking for the bald-headed guy who saved my dad's life. Wow. So Wayne Perry was contacting us via Twitter that his his father, Ian Perry, uh, it was the gentleman that I performed uh, CPR on, um, Ian and I and Wayne and his family are all close friends. So one of my <laughs> sayings is, learn CPR, do something about it, and you never know, you might make a new friend like I did. Because yeah. that's exactly what happened. Amazing <clears throat> story. Mm. Fantastic. And that's, um, again, that's obviously why you wanted to be involved with it. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. One of the the, the, the phone calls I had, I, I made a phone call to, I was thinking about goals, you know, the, the five side. And I got the number of Ian McDermott, the MD there, and I, I called him and I said, look, we're involved in this. You know, how are you going up? You know, how are you... For, for defibrillators and he said do you know what we're absolutely great on defibrillators actually he said in, but in the last 12 months he says we've had more cardiac arrests 12 wow. than we've had in like 10 Lord. years and he said the great story about it is we've been able to save 8 of them and he said it's absolutely incredible and obviously I said look if, you know great I'm glad you, you, you know, you're you sorted but if you need any help if you need any sort of training and, and you need Ian to come in then by all means we can do that so you know he he's on top of that but again they they've saved lives because they had defibrillators at all mm. their facilities which is incredible but that is the campaign really is to have one at every sporting facility you know high footfall areas shopping centres and obviously in big buildings arena stadiums so that and people know where they are I think David Sullivan wants yeah, and David Gull want West Ham to be the first heart safe stadium in the country so they're, they're massively I mean we're pushing ahead with those guys we're working with them um, right so now, we're right. talking to a, a few guys which again it's is fantastic idea. We'll talk about what makes a stadium heart safe. We'll hear one of the defibrillators um, literally talking you through the process and we'll find out a bit more how you can potentially get involved. Uh, it's John Solarco, in case you've just joined us, former uh, Palace and England winger. He's with uh, Ian Pierce. They're both from Creating Lifesavers. 
And we'll take your experiences on board as well. Let us know about your experiences in this area. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet to TSH&J. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We're chatting to John Salarco, former Palace winger, Ian Pearce. They're both uh, from creating Lifesavers. Uh, fantastic project. Looking to save lives and equip thousands of ordinary people with the skills to carry out CPR. Make sure easy-to-use defibrillators are all over the country. We're getting some questions coming in. We should shout out to <coughs> a friend of the show, Alan Birchinall. One of the listeners has been in touch this afternoon and said uh, Birch had a heart scare at Leicester Manchester United on Saturday and he spent the night in the hospital but is okay today. Three years after uh, Alan, who is the much-loved stadium announcer at the King Powers, you probably know, had a mm. cardiac arrest at a sporting dinner. He was lucky that night as a defibrillator and a nurse and a doctor were all on hand. So um, ever since, he's been raising thousands of pounds to equip locations with defibrillators and training. Brilliant and worthwhile calls. and wish Alan all the best this afternoon. Um, so there we are. This is sort of someone else in the world of football that we know wow. uh, having these issues. But I think I imagine this is the case when when it does happen to you, um, then you do evangelise about. It. You want to make a difference. You want to make sure that people are as lucky maybe as you were. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, for me, they, it's kind of sometimes it's shutting the door of the horses bolted, but at least we're shutting the door and we're starting to raise that awareness. Um, you know, the number of people I've worked with who've said, I'm not really sure I can justify a defibrillator at, at circa £1,000. And then, you know, a couple of years later, they've got one because some, something's happened in their community. So, yeah, it is important. And But, it is, but you know, everyone's fighting something in this world at the moment. And, and it's a phrase that really resonates with me through some friends of mine at Hurricane Training. Everyone's fighting something. So let's let's just fight this this ultimately treatable uh, um, uh, event of a cardiac arrest. It's treatable. Yeah. This is that, definitely an awareness thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we talking here, we might as well be honest about this. As we said, there must be a, there is a defibrillator in this building, but we asked about it, and we just asked before you came on, does anybody know where it is? What yeah. floor it's on. What floor it's yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we didn't know. We should of... all know. We yeah. should. And absolutely. I think, yeah, and I think the, the important message, and I think that's what I love about that, is creating the army of life service. You know what to do, so the training. Again, it's just... Just having the confidence to be able to know what you're doing CPR-wise mm. and the defibrillator. Because yeah. I mean, I can imagine if, if someone sort of falls, kills over, you know, it must be so easy to think, oh, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to hurt him. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And that is obviously the worst thing that can ever happen is not doing anything at all because, you know, you can't hurt them because they're dead. So yeah. whatever you do might help them. And obviously just, just try and do the CPR yeah. till, till the defib comes and hopefully saves them. So Ian, if there is a defibrillator there, there will be some people listening that are probably sure. a little bit afraid of the technology and thinking, I wouldn't be able to work there, I wouldn't know what to do, I'm not trained to work it, but they're designed in such a way that they do talk you through the process. So are you you said it, you can sort of talk us through it now, you've got a defibrillator in front of you. I have indeed, yeah, but just to reiterate that point, these are designed to be used by people with no training, and the, the term we use in, within this industry is you're trained in CPR, you're familiarised with a defibrillator. Right. You just need to be familiar with what I'm going to go through in a few minutes. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that once I've shown you this, you guys go, is that it? Because really mm. it is. Yeah. That's it. They're very simple to use. OK, well, take it away. OK, well, it's, it's a little bit fictitious uh, um, in terms of where we are at the moment, and there is no real patient. So, John, I'm not asking you to have a cardiac arrest just to show how it works. <laughs> yeah. I might be when I'm watching <laughs> Arsenal Palace later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go back to it at eight, 8 o'clock tonight, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so what we've got, if you just imagine a situation here where somebody's unconscious with no visible signs of life. Yeah. And that's that kind of line in the sand situation where some, we think somebody could be in cardiac arrest. But clearly it could be a number of reasons. But all we know is that that patient is unconscious, no visible signs of life. It's really important to raise the alarm for a 999 cardiac for an ambulance and to start basic life support or cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Call for a defibrillator. So in this case, we'd say, go and get the defibrillator and we'd be continuing to do CPR. When the defibrillator um, arrives, I'll go to radio listeners here. Obviously, it's it's not very visual, so we've got a big on-off button. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably one of the first things we need to do is sure. just turn it on. Um, Call emergency medical services now. Oh, wow. Adult mode. Follow the voice prompt calmly. It's nice and calm. Mm-hmm. Remove all clothing from chest and stomach. That's the patient's, not Rip yours. clothing <laughs> if necessary. Take out the pads from the bottom of the device. Mm-hmm. So I'm just removing the pads from the bottom Tear of the device. open the pads packaging. Yeah. Right, yep. So we open the pads and they're pre-sticky pads about the size of the Look average hand. Look closely at the picture on each pad. And for those, again, it's indicating on Peel the pads. the pad labelled one and stick to the bare skin of the patient, exactly as shown in the picture. And there's a and diagram on the front of the defibrillator showing where they have to be stuck. Yeah. Right. And once and the pads are on the patient's the chest, patient, the exactly machine will analyse the, the patient's ECG, what's happening. Right. So Press I'm just going to simulate that. to the bare skin of the patient. Do not touch the patient. So we stand back, we stop CPR. And is this patient needing Shock intervention? Advised. Yes, it is. Right. John's my paramedic, my helper. John? John Salako's about to hit the button. Deliver shock, shock delivered. That's it. Now what do we do? Begin CPR now. And we must do CPR for Press two minutes. Press the blue eye button for CPR voice prompt. Oh, it really does tell you everything. Uh, it's clever. So, that's so the this rhythm. is the same rhythm. Line. Yeah. Yeah. So, for the interest of, of time and, and everything here, we'll now do two minutes worth of cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And um, at the end of two minutes, the machine will automatically reanalyze the patient to see if the shot we've delivered, the CPR we've performed, have made a difference. And often, if you get them quickly, as with somebody like Christian Erickson, you'll see visible signs of life. Mm. And you can come off the patient mm. and you know you've done a good job. But if not, We'll go again, and we'll keep shocking, because ultimately, if they're in cardiac arrest, they're treatable. That's all there is to it. Wow. Amazing. I think that a lot that would make a lot of people think, well, look, if I was in that situation, I feel I could, if better than doing nothing, I'd give that a go, because I, I, I want to you know, give somebody a chance. Yeah, it's just that confidence of knowing what you've... It's that education of being able to go, do you know what, yeah. I know what I'm doing, I'm confident of what I'm doing, because the worst thing you can get is you will get a lot of people that go, oh, do you know what, I don't want to get involved because I don't want to do any damage, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's creating that awareness piece of, of doing that training, so... For every one of these that gets installed, it just comes with that training for 10, 12 staff, however many you want to train. But it's just important if everyone kind of looks at this one at least once a year, maybe just goes through the CPR techniques again and, and looks yeah. at the new technology. But for a lot of people, it's just such an easy device to use, um, you know, but it's the CPR and, and all the other sort of um bits that you do need to be familiar with that will help you. We've had loads of questions coming. We had a Connor, a police officer, who thinks he said, I've done more CPRs than I can remember. It's a disgrace about the lack of defibs available. 
Why are they every single grounded in numbers? Embarrassing for the game. But beyond that, um, Nick Ellis has been in touch. I mean, I think he's known to you, John. And he was talking about a close friend of his who nine-year-old yeah. daughter uh, collapsed at school, had a heart problem and, and died. He said, had there been a defibrillator there, she may well have survived, but there wasn't one uh, ever since her mum has campaigned tirelessly to have defibrillators pointing to schools and sporting events. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, how do you feel, um, Nick asked, you know, the government should provide them and make it a law to be at places and mass gatherings. Would that help? I mean, the yeah, I mean, through the industry, we've been campaigning for many years now to, to, to make it mandatory. If you think about it, this building wouldn't open without fire extinguishers, would it? So we look after our buildings, but we're not necessarily looking after our people. Mm. So, I mean, the health and safety executive and people have, um, through the FAW courses, made it mandatory that you learn and, and be familiar with the DFib, but it's not mandatory to have one. Right. And if you take somewhere like the London Stadium, uh, as, as John mentioned, they're looking to install them you know, in the inside concourse and the outside. I'm there every time to watch the mighty West Ham. And if somebody collapses, I want to be able to get a defib within seconds, yeah. not five, six minutes. Sure. Five, six minutes, 50 to 60% chance of survival gone. Yeah. This, is some, mm. this is something that affects young people as well. This yeah, isn't an old people. You no, know, no, I sure. think Justin Edinburgh, was, I mean, Ugo, yeah. Ugo Ekiog was only 38, I think, yeah. was he 40, yeah, training for a marathon. But what are the stats on, on kids, you know, school? school <clears> um, the last things I, I read is around 10 to, 10 to 12 young people under the age of 16 collapse every week from cardiac-related issues in this country. Wow. We have 30,000 out-of-hospital cardiac arrests. And some other stats, which is actually a little bit embarrassing, you mentioned about the government and how they can help and what we can do. But uh, in the UK, your chance of uh, surviving an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest are probably around 8 to 9%. Um, in somewhere like Seattle, it's as high as 35 to 40% because they have defibrillators on every street corner and everybody's trained in CPR. I believe, and please don't quote, I think it was uh, in Norway, they made it mandatory to learn CPR skills as part of your driving test. Yeah. That's interesting. You, yeah. A lot of people have asked why aren't school kids, why aren't we all taught this at school, the yeah, way we taught everything point. else. Um, Kane says, I understand there's an app that tells you where the nearest defibrillator is located. Is that mm. true? It's a, a project that's being driven by the British Heart Foundation, which we wholly support, and it's called Circuit. That will actually is going live, I believe it may even be today or tomorrow, right. in line with what we've had this week, which is Restart Heart Week. The circuit is the is the Heart Foundation doing everything they possibly can to get as many publicly accessible and otherwise defibrillators. So if I'm walking through London today and somebody collapses, I'll dial nine nine nine, and I'll immediately be told there's a defibrillator at the on the outside of the Bull and Butcher pub, two minutes or one minute away, or whatever yeah. it may be. So th this is something the circuit that you know through through well medical, but most most importantly through creating lifesavers that we are promoting and pushing, right. and that's we're starting to get them logged on. It's a big project. We had a lot of people saying, uh, Danny got in touch, he's a committee member at a cricket club, we'd love to have a defibrillator, I'd love to talk to John and Ian about how they can assist us, how we could do it. And I think a lot of people have been asking, yeah, we're very much into this, could we make this happen? So uh, is there a website they can go to to find out more about what you do? Yeah, Creating Lifesavers at the moment is uh, www.creatinglifesavers.com or co.uk. Mm. If you look at the website at the moment, I'll be honest, it's geared up to a gentleman called another David Sullivan who hit yeah. a golf ball. Yes, we had him on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And <laughs> so it's still geared up to that, but the contact details are on there. Please contact us. Yeah, We'd like to talk to you about the awareness, the placement, the training, and obviously the uh, yeah. purchase of a defibrillator. Um, and, and getting them out there. Because and if, if people today want to get, if they listen to that and said, I want to be trained, I want to be CPR trained, what what do they need to do? Contact us. 
Right, you're the best people to speak to, and Absolutely. you can put them in the push them in the right direction. Brilliant. Well, it's been fascinating, guys. Appreciate yeah. you. Thanks very much. Both coming in, and we didn't ask you to protect uh, did, to predict the score tonight. Yeah, John. You didn't even <laughs> ask me about yeah Arsenal Crystal Palace. Yeah, well, he's, he's going to win. Yeah, well, they're looking strong, aren't they? I think mm. they beat uh, beat Norwich and got that fantastic win against Spurs in the North London derby. So yeah, they're, they're yeah. looking strong at home. Emmy Yangs looks to be back. Smithrow, I love watching, and and Saka. So, but Eduardo Gallagher, you know. Elise is a player, you know, Palace looks strong. You know, it's going to be very special for, for Patrick Vieira going back there. Yeah. You know, one one of my all-time great players. And, uh, you know, to see him come in, he's done really, really well. I thought he started strongly and he'll be keen to get a positive result. Drawing the last two defensive mistakes from Gay and Anderson for yeah. Palace. Otherwise, I think they'd be positive. So a clean sheet tonight would be a massive plus And, you know, I'll take a draw. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you, and keep in touch. Keep. I'm sure the listeners would like to know how, how your work progresses and, and if things are improving. And let's maybe have a bit of a progress report in a few months' time. Wasn't we'd, it? we'd like to do that. And um, please find out where your defib is. And if Indeed. it's not close enough, get another I'll, one. I'll, I think we'll know, it, we'll know it by the end of the show. Thanks very much. There thank you very are, much, John indeed, Sarko, gentlemen. Annie and Pierce there from Creating Lifesavers. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Well, kind of, because every Monday we dust off uh, some old uh, clips. You can't really call them classic clips. They're not the ones we try out Christmas Eve, but um, they are basically a kind of uh, a snapshot of, uh, in this case, December 2009. Yeah, we like that. As they went out. And we've not heard them since, Andy, have we? So we're quite looking no. forward to these. So hopefully... Yeah, there may not be gold in there, but as we say, a bit of pewter. So we begin with Tony Incenzo. Where else but at Loftus Road? <laughs> Two more efforts from Rangers. Routledge and Bazaki both shooting past the post. The teams have been going at it. Hammer and thongs. Hammer and thongs. Hammer and thongs. <laughs> There's That'd a TV show in that, I guess. You need nothing more than this intro. Here's Mike Perry. Some local authorities have now banned poppy collectors, you know, like, um, you know, the uh, the poppy collecting people. What are they called? <laughs> poppy collectors. Only collect poppies. They collect the money, don't you? They give out the poppies. From the, OK. Uh, this is the Moose watching Liverpool with uh, Bobby Gould. And Gouldy, Liverpool have uh, pretty much been able to dictate this game so far. Yeah, where does Varon play? That's what I want to know. Varon in? Yeah, Varon, yeah. Yeah, Varon or Varon in. <laughs> Which one was it? Two different players, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ronnie Irani now with a competition. Right, here we go. Where did the final Formula One race of the 2009 season take place? What did it take place, mate? Abu uh, Abu Dhabi, buddy. Abul Dayab. <laughs> Who's Abul Dayab? No, <clears throat> when he's at home. Uh, over to Stan Collymore on the phone in now, and a really unfortunate moment as Stan's line goes dead. I saw you play for Stafford Rangers, mate. Yep. I, I, I think yeah, we lost, I think actually. You had a I think you had a nightmare. I had a torrid, yeah. I think uh, I did it, Bath. No, <laughs> I, I remember your name, that was all. That Collymore, I remember yeah, the name that stuck out. Yeah, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello. 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 Still going. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, uh, Stan Excellent. was at South End the other day, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's doing a bit of the yeah, club there now. And uh, the Moose again, uh, this time chatting to the Blackburn fans before a big game. You're not a big Sam fan? No, not really, no. I'm not saying he's a bad manager, but he's not my cup of tea. All right, finally, give me a prediction for today. Blackburn will win. No goals, but we'll win. 
Well, that that's a mark of a great side, isn't it? <laughs> not to score and still win. <laughs> There's not many teams that could do that. Returning to uh, Ronnie Arani, again, giving out the details for a competition. Enter before 8pm tonight and register. All right, Pork Sport. Pork Sport, Sport. very different station. <laughs> very different station. Lovely, yeah. Back to Mike Perry now. Meditation, right, we're going to talk about today in the show. If you've got a heart condition, which sadly I have with the old Tricky Dicker... <laughs> I think, it's, I think it's the other way around, Mike, isn't it? Surely the old Dicky tricky dicker. dicker. Mark Saggers and Stan <laughs> Collymore taking a call. Dean, he's a Fulham fan. Uh, good evening to you, Dean. Good evening. Welcome, Dean. Welcome. Oh, yeah, welcome you. to you. Everybody's very welcome. <laughs> welcoming you to their own show. Adrian Durham now with our much-missed former cricket correspondent, Jack Bannister. Let's catch up with the cricket. It's not been great for England, is it, Jack? Eighty-three for three. Got called out, Jack. We've all been there. Caught you this game. You're on, Jack. Hang on, go the headphones. Um, sticking with the cricket, this is the moose, and uh, good luck getting your head around this one. Southampton stay in the bottom four after being battered by South Africa by eighty-four runs yesterday. What? That's actually confusing. <laughs> Southampton battered by South Africa by eighty-four runs. That really does take some doing, doesn't it? That's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, Nigel Botherway on Fisherman's Blues now. I've just had a text message from a listener here who says, be careful, drive with caution on the M25 near the M11 junction. There are large, large pools of water. Drive very carefully there. Good for fishing, though. Good for fishing, yeah. Good conditions uh, for fishing. It sounds like something I would say. Yeah, it sounds like one of yours, that one. And finally, it's Alan Brazil chatting to business expert Hank Potts. So getting a decent price for it, and of course, that will allow them to further extend their I business think, um, model. I think the was it Tara, Tara, Pamela, Pump, uh, Tom, was it Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was at one point singing Tara Rabundi, wasn't he? Tara, 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 Yeah, he couldn't get out of it, could he, Alan? I think he he could have been there for days. So there we are. That was as they went out November, December of 2009. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was a afternoon show Andy you're back on Wednesday I am Charlie Baker's with me tomorrow thanks for listening you've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.